and welcome to the 15-Minute Chronic Pain Experience, where today we'll be talking about the complex tangle of chronic pain, anxiety, and depression. I am your host, Dina Chopolis, and I am the head chronic pain coach and chief curator at Pain to Possibilities, where we have been transforming pain experiences since 2018. In a survey of adults with anxiety or a mood disorder like depression or bipolar disorder, about half reported experiencing chronic pain, according to researchers at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. Among individuals with a mood disorder, chronic pain was the most common, reported at 50%. Anxiety disorders were also common for those with chronic pain disorder at a whopping 45%. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of how and why pain and anxiety or depression are so interwoven, there are a couple of things that are important to know up front. First of all, Humans are complex, therefore pain is complex. Chronic pain is complicated and can be quite messy at times, and it goes well beyond just the pain you feel and the medicine you are prescribed. In chronic pain, all things matter. At Pain to Possibilities, we look at, with a bird's eye view of chronic pain management, and this means looking at you and your pain experience from many different angles. In other words, we see you as a whole person, not just the pain or where the pain resides. It's important to know that all chronic illness, of which includes persistent pain, is biopsychosocial in nature, which means pain and chronic illness is always biological, psychological, and social in nature. We cannot separate the mind from the body and vice versa, as they are always connected. As stated by Dr. Rachel Zoffness, PhD pain psychologist and educator, chronic pain is the worst of the human experiences. To be clear, we are talking about chronic pain because when it comes to the acute pain, the pain you feel is really meant to protect you. But the pain you feel with chronic pain is a whole different animal. So why is it that chronic pain and anxiety and or depression often come hand in hand? Today, we are going to discuss why this happens and offer some small steps you can take to help mitigate the emotional roller coaster that comes with chronic pain. But before we dive in, let's start by stating some very important facts. Fact number one, chronic pain can be very isolating and isolation is the worst form of punishment you can give a human. Fact number two, chronic pain is misunderstood by the masses from our current medical model to our families and friends and even collectively amongst our chronic pain community. Now, don't get me wrong. Our current medical model is very good at acute care and is exactly what it is set up for. What it's not so good at is dealing with the chronic condition. Fact number three, the stigma of chronic pain and the feelings associated with it, such as the feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, of not being acceptable, or not being worthy, can really drag a person down. Fact number four to 50. On top of all of that, if we're wondering where the anxiety and depression comes from with chronic pain, there's this. 
the not being heard, the lack of sleep, the pain crashes, grief for the loss of the life you once had, loss of friends, loss of identity, multiple appointments to get to, looking for the next best doctor, lack of control over your situation, trauma, fear, strained relationships, not being able to work, and guilt. Need I say more? Much like the chicken and egg story, what comes first? The pain, then anxiety or depression? Or is it the other way around? The answer is, it goes both ways. Chronic pain intensifies anxiety and depression, and anxiety and depression amplifies chronic pain. One also really important factor to include in this conversation is that, are you ready for it? Chronic pain is both physical and emotional 100% of the time. To explain this further, let's take a look at it from the biological, the psychological, and the sociological perspective of chronic pain. When it comes to the psychological perspective and to understand how chronic pain affects our mood, let's explore what chronic pain does to our psychology. Number one, the emotional cycle as stated by the Mayo Clinic. If you imagine a circle and you start off at the top of the circle when you experience fear and concern and you start to focus on the pain. And then you have a feeling of hope. Perhaps there is a bit of trust that there is a solution out there to make you feel better. Then you start to feel a sense of loss of control with medication, the alcohol, or the repeated doctor's visits. And then you ultimately become frustrated, irritable, angry when pain doesn't improve. Then you start to feel guilty for your behavior. You begin to withdraw and withhold emotions. You then start to feel a sense of sadness or depression. And then your hopes become shattered when treatments don't work, which in turn decreases your self-esteem, thereby making it more difficult to get motivated to tackle that chronic pain. Number two, I have heard the chronic pain experience explained this way in the past, and I think it describes with simple elegance the two distinct parts, where there's primary pain and secondary pain. The best description I've heard yet comes from an article written by Vidimala Birch, who is a chronic pain survivor herself. And she summarized the concept of primary and secondary pain so eloquently, I just had to share. She says, primary suffering is an unpleasant physical sensation you may experience as a consequence of illness, injury, or fatigue. Whereas secondary suffering is the human anguish we all experience as a reaction to primary suffering. Feelings like anger, fear, depression, anxiety, and despair that we instinctively pile on top of any unpleasant sensation or event in a dense web of reactivity. Number three, over time, chronic pain changes the structure of the brain as do all of life's experiences. And this is due to the fact that our brain is always adapting. As humans, we are extremely adaptable. 
In psychology, this is known as neuroplasticity. And it might just be your new best friend. Does this mean that our brains are changed forever? Absolutely not. As humans, we are extremely adaptable, and that includes our brains as well as our bodies. As the brain adapted to years of pain behaviors such as avoidance, fear, and catastrophization, so too can it adapt to healthy behaviors. It just takes time, effort, guidance, persistence, and a healthy dose of patience. Number four, the brain learns pain over time and becomes really good at pain behaviors and pain talk. I invite you to think of something that you've practiced over and over again and got really good as a result of all of that time practicing. For example, did you play the piano when you were younger and over time you noticed your skill got better and better? Or was there a sport that you played, practicing hours and hours to get better at it, more efficient and more confident? Unfortunately, when it comes to chronic pain, we know that pain behaviors amplify anxiety and or depression. And so what are pain behaviors? Pain behaviors are a specific form of illness behavior, which are in large part learned or conditioned by past pain experiences. And here are some examples. Avoidance, withdrawal from activities, fear, grief, frustration, wincing, an increase in focus on the pain, worry, and isolation. Number five, sensitization. To explain this principle, I invite you to picture a beautiful backyard with lush green grass. And in the back porch, you have installed a motion detector where the lights go off every time a blade of grass blows in the wind. And you probably guess where I'm going here. Your nervous system is just like that motion detector going off, lighting up every time the wind blows a blade of grass. And so what happens is your nervous system becomes hyper vigilant, just like that light sensor, always going off, always firing when the slightest stimulation comes by. And so over time, we become more hyper vigilant which amplifies the pain and all the emotions that come with pain, anxiety is known to make those who suffer with chronic pain even more hypersensitive to pain. When the pain becomes worse, the attention paid to the pain becomes even more intense, which in turn increases the overall amount of pain you feel. It becomes this vicious cycle. Number six, as I mentioned earlier, the term chronic pain in of itself has a stigma and suggests long-term or a lifetime of pain. With this diagnosis, you are already starting off with a sense of hopelessness. Number seven, catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is when we worry excessively about the pain to the point that it's interfering with your life. There is a deep fear of making the pain worse or that a re-injury will occur, which cascades to a fear of movement and then avoidance of activity in reaction to this fear. Number eight, self-blame and guilt at feeling anxious or depressed tends to amplify pain and anxiety or depression. Number nine, 
And this one I really want you to hear. Past trauma will have a devastating impact on your physical and your emotional pain. It is often not acknowledged as impacting pain, nor is it addressed in chronic pain care. If you have experienced trauma and it comes in many forms, chances are it is affecting both your emotional and physical self and thus needs to be addressed as the whole of you. The biological piece. To keep things simple today, I'm going to focus on just two aspects of the biological side of things that often get missed when talking about mental health. We already spend plenty of time in the biological aspect of pain with a multitude of appointments, with diagnoses, with treatment plans, just generally trying to find solutions to get rid of the pain. Instead, we're going to address two things that you can start to explore on your own and with the help of your healthcare team. Increased stress often means increases in vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Magnesium is considered a softening mineral and is an important part of a healing sleep, calming your nervous system, and helping to reduce stress and anxiety. If you'd like to learn more about this, I have a podcast episode dedicated solely to magnesium and to chronic pain. And next we have what's called the gut-brain connection. There's a lot of research coming out in the last five years, at least, connecting the two brains together. The gastrointestinal tract is sensitive to emotion. Anger, anxiety, sadness, elation, all of these feelings can trigger symptoms in the gut. This connection goes both ways. A troubled intestine can send signals to the brain, just as a troubled brain can send signals to the gut. Therefore, a person's stomach or intestinal distress can be the cause or the product of anxiety, stress, or depression. And that's because the brain and the GI tract, or the gastrointestinal system, are intimately connected. Has your gut ever been affected by stress? Have you ever had that feeling of butterflies in your stomach or a gut feeling towards something? The gut and all of its bacteria is pretty interesting. Your gut biome is primarily made up of more bacteria than it is of human cells and is considered your second brain as it acts much like our regular brain does to regulate certain processes, to communicate with the brain and the brain with the digestive system. The gut and the brain are intricately connected via the longest nerve in your body, the vagus nerve. Remember this nerve as we'll come back to in just a moment. Your gut biome is an integral part of your overall health and well-being and your emotional well-being, including our behaviors. There is a pretty cool example of an experiment that was done with cat and mouse. And the scientists pretty much manipulated the bacteria inside of the mouse's GI tract or inside its gut. It actually added one particular type of bacteria into the mice and they realized what happened next was quite fascinating. They realized that the mice lost their fear of cats, which as you can guess, is really not a way to survive. <laughs> In fact, they not only lost their fear of cats, they became attracted to cats. 
So it goes to show that bacteria can absolutely influence our behaviors. And we've been rather unsupportive of our gut's microbiome for years through a Western diet, medications, overuse of antibiotics, and stress. They all tend to chip away at the healthy environment we have living inside of us, of which we really need to nurture. Just as we do when we are pregnant, we often consider carefully what foods we are eating to support our baby bump. So too should we consider how we are feeding our gut biome. Serotonin is produced mostly in the gut. And serotonin is one of the hormones related to mood, happiness, calming, and sleep. Studies have shown that low levels of serotonin can lead to depression, anxiety, and sleep disturbances. So as you can see, if our gut biome is not vibrant and thriving, then we produce less serotonin, which in turn affects our moods, our sleep, and our ability to manage the pain. If you are curious to know more, you can ask your doctor the following questions. Is my medication causing serotonin syndrome? If I am experiencing feelings of depression, are my serotonin levels too low? Or you could ask, are my levels of serotonin affecting my other aspects of my health? Now, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned the largest nerve, the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body and is the main contributor of the parasympathetic nervous system, also known as the rest and digest state. It's a big hitter when it comes to calming the nervous system, reducing anxiety and depression, aiding digestion, and overall emotional well-being. So understanding a little bit more about the vagus nerve gives you a more robust pain management toolbox. If you've ever heard of the polyvagal theory of pain management, then you know what I'm talking about. We briefly discussed how chronic pain is impacted by our internal environment, but how does our external environment influence our pain and emotional health? When it comes to chronic pain, our environment matters. Have you ever noticed that your pain goes up when you are under stress or after the loss of a friend or an argument with one of your coworkers or primary care providers or a loved one? We can't always change our external environment, but the more aware we are of what triggers a stress response, especially within our environment, the more we can adapt or change it. What can we do to help reduce anxiety and depression that often comes with chronic pain? Well, now that we know how anxiety and depression are often intricately linked with chronic pain, and that sometimes pain can worsen our sensations of anxiety and depression, what do we do about it? Here are 10 things you can do on your own at home. Number one, of course, very obvious, is the medications especially when you're really finding it difficult to regulate the emotions or when you're trying out new skill sets. But it's also important to know that there are options beyond just the medication. Number two, explore foods that will feed your healthy bacteria inside your gut, and they are prebiotics. And you can take them in through fibrous foods, onions, garlic, dandelion greens, asparagus, or apples. 
You can also bump up the probiotic foods that you consume to bolster your good bacteria, such as yogurt or fermented foods such as kefir, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, or pickles. And reduce the foods that feed the bad bacteria like sugar. Number three, stimulate your vagus nerve by breathing. Inhale for a count of four through the nose. Hold on top for four seconds. And then exhale for a count of six. If you repeat this five to 10 minutes to start, it will help to ease the nervous system, lower your heart rate, bring down your blood pressure. It is the easiest, most portable anxiety reducing act you can do. Number four, stimulate your vagus nerve through body posture coupled with the breath. For example, if you were to lie down on your back, supported by any pillows that you might need to keep you comfortable, keeping your knees bent and your feet flat on the floor, place a pillow underneath your hips, your upper hips and your low back, if that's comfortable. And then breathe as we instructed just a minute ago, as you rest there and focus on the breath. And by being in that posture, you are automatically stimulating that vagus nerve to allow for that release of the fight or the flight and then bring in more of the rest and digest. Number five, tap into your internal drug supply. And yes, Siri, we produce and we release powerful chemicals and neurotransmitters through certain activities, certain emotions, and in the presence of loved ones. So you can tap into this supply by doing things that make you happy and bring you joy, such as cooking, eating and savoring, that's probably my favorite part, uh, connecting with friends, family, painting, being out in the forest, hand-holding, hugs, and funny videos. And of course, I have to mention, movement, even in its gentlest form, increases the amount of happy hormones in our brain and bodies. First, we have to work through the fear associated with movement step-by-step step so that you can confidently move to increase those endorphins. Number six, we can pay more attention. What do I mean by that? So pay attention not to the pain, but instead to the words you hear yourself saying either to others or to yourself, and then write them down. Pay attention to pain behaviors and how often you feel their presence and write them down. Pay attention to what makes your pain worse and what makes it feel better. Pay attention to what triggers your anxiety or depression. Number eight, and this again comes from research that's coming out of Australia from the leading pain researchers out there. If you are able to, if your shoulders will allow you to do this, you can cross your arms above the head and across your center line. I'm going to talk you through this one. So picture, if you will, either in a seated or a standing position. If you take your right arm up and over the head, making sure to cross over your center line, and then you come back down and you repeat on the left side, up above the head and across your center line and come back down. And you repeat this over and over and over. Now, if your shoulder will not allow you to do that on your own, if you're able to have someone help you with that, it's also shown to 
descramble that pain process and allow things to settle. Now, it won't happen right away, but over time, if you do this every day, it will help. And number nine, join a community of like-minded people who get it and who are also doing the work to change their relationship to pain. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what we do at Pain to Possibilities. And we've created a community of people who are living in chronic pain so they can do the work together. And number 10, of course, I'm a little biased, but hire a pain coach, someone who can guide you through, help to break down the overwhelm, keep you accountable, keep you moving forward. And so to recap quickly, before we let you go, pain is multidimensional and includes biological, psychological, and sociological aspects. Pain can make anxiety and depression worse and vice versa. Everything matters when it comes to chronic pain, your environment, internal and external, your lived experience. It all contributes to your relationship to pain and your emotional health. Pain is biopsychosocial in nature, which to reiterate means that chronic pain is biological, psychological, and social in nature. Finally, pain is both physical and emotional 100% of the time. Now that you know all of this, is there any wonder why you are experiencing these deep feelings of anxiety, perhaps depression, and increased pain? It's important to understand that none of this is your fault, and chronic pain is absolutely real. It is complicated and messy, but it is possible to shift, to take back some control and live life alongside the pain rather than under its crushing weight. I hope this podcast serves you well, and thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to comment and share this podcast so we can spread this message far and wide. Have a great day. Thank you.